Well, on behalf of the bishops of the College of Bishops and the clergy and the wonderful lay people and the Anglican Church in North America, and also as the Bishop of the Anglican Diocese of the South, and on behalf of Bishop Lyons and the people and clergy of our diocese, Merry Christmas. Thank you. And may you have a blessed New Year as well. Wow, what a year we have just experienced. What a year. Not just here in North America, but all around the world. Tragedy, violence, war, famine, horrific attacks, innocent people killed and maimed. We've also seen new technologies released, some good, some not so good. We've seen leadership changes all around the world, surprising elections and referendums. People are shocked, horrified, some are excited, encouraged, most are bewildered. But none of this has taken the Lord by surprise. He is the author of history, He entered history. He's knowledgeable of all events, and he's over history. And this is true of our current times, and it was true in the first century. The events of the first century were not a surprise to him either. The Roman Empire came to power, and in doing so, brutally murdered anyone who got in their way. Enslaved hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people. And the once republic became a theocratic dictatorship were the emperor himself calling himself a god. Yet the Romans established a social order with common laws. They established easy travel with roads and highway systems. They established communication among the various parts of the empire with a common language. And God was able to use all of these to orchestrate the birth of his son, Jesus and then quickly extend this message to all parts of the known world. God used all of that to fulfill hundreds of prophecies of the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, so that Jesus was born to just the right person, the Virgin Mary, to just the right family in the line of David, to just the right tribe, the Hebrew tribe of Judah, to just the right time, just as Daniel foretold, foretold hundreds of years before, to just the right place, the town of Bethlehem, and for just the right purpose, to make a way of salvation by dying for the sins of the people. The Gospel of Matthew, which is my text this morning, or this evening, puts it this way. It says, Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 20. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The context of this passage is that Joseph has been engaged to marry, or as the Bible calls it, betrothed. 
This was Hebrew tradition, part of the Jewish wedding process. A woman and a man would be pledged to each other. It's like our engagement process that we have today when someone is engaged to get married. Except it was much more formal. To break it off, one would have to get a divorce. And even though there was no sexual intimacy during this time between the couple, they belonged to each other. And they began to prepare for their actual wedding and their life together as a married couple. Joseph and Mary were betrothed. But then Mary shows up pregnant. Now I've always wondered how the conversation went as Mary tried to explain this to Joseph. That she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Sure, Mary. Right, Mary. I mean, today we, we know the end of the story, and maybe it's easier to understand. We also understand theologically more about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit will oftentimes bypass physical laws to do His ministry. But in their day, and really in our day, this would have been difficult for Joseph to accept. His fiance is pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Right. We're told that Joseph was a righteous man, this text tells us. And he plans to divorce Mary quietly. He was a righteous man. He, he couldn't marry someone who was pregnant when he knew he wasn't the father. He was a righteous man. He planned to divorce her, divorce her quietly. He didn't want to make a big deal of it, so to shame Mary publicly. Just quietly back out of the mess, marriage. But the Lord, however, has other plans. He directs an angel, probably Gabriel, to visit Joseph in a dream, in a vision. And in this dream, the angel, speaking on behalf of the Lord God, tells Joseph several things. First, don't fear to take Mary as your wife. Don't fear to take Mary as your wife. Yes, it's going to look bad. Yes, you're going to be called names. Yes, you will be misunderstood. But don't fear. I'm in this. Secondly, he tells him, the baby that is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, God has bypassed the physical. She's still a virgin and conceived a baby in her. This is done by the Holy Spirit, by God. Joseph, this has been done by God. God is the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Theologically, we later term this as theotokos. The God-bearer. Mary is bearing the Son of God. God Himself. And that because of this, Jesus was actually fully God and fully human at the same time. What was later coined as the Chalcedonian definition of the person of Christ at the Council of Chalcedon in 451. Irenaeus, bishop of the 2nd century, puts it this way. Jesus Christ in His infinite love has become what we are in order that He may make us entirely what He is. Isn't that good? Has become what we are in order that He may make us entirely what He is. St. Augustine said it like this, The meaning of the word made flesh is not that the divine nature was changed into flesh, but that the divine nature assumed our flesh. But even further, this fulfills one of the more basic prophecies 
which goes all the way back to Genesis during the fall of humanity. In Genesis chapter 3, we're told about the woman and the woman's seed. Genetically, a woman doesn't have a seed. This is usually attributed to the man in the reproduction process. But in this case, Mary is providing the seed of all humanity, the human component to God entering the human race. The angel says, Joseph, what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. A third thing the angel tells Joseph, that he is to name the child Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, not Joseph after himself. Jesus, not Jacob after Joseph's father. Jesus, not Heli after Mary's father. Jesus, not Zechariah after Mary's uncle. Joseph had specific instructions to name him Jesus. Jesus. Or in his day, it would have been pronounced Yeshua. Or the Hebrew is Joshua, which means God saves. God is salvation. God is with you. God is with you and saving you. Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus. Not sure if you've ever noticed, but Jesus is a powerful name. Just call it out when you're in need. God saves. God is salvation. Jesus. A fourth thing the angel tells Joseph is that this baby will save people from their sins. This not only ties into the name Jesus, but also shares the ultimate purpose of this baby. He will save people from their sins. Now, what was the Hebrew teaching and practice about saving people from, from their sins? I mean, what did they do all throughout the Old Testament? They offered sacrifices for sin. Unblemished lambs were offered on behalf of people's sins. This is a foreshadowing of God's ultimate sacrifice for sin in Jesus on the cross, which ended this practice and atones for the sin of all humanity. But right here, in the account of Jesus' birth, is a prophetic word about His death. He will save people from their sins. The fifth thing the angel tells us or tells Joseph, is that all of this is a fulfillment of prophecy. And he quotes Isaiah 7, 14 about the virgin birth. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now there are at least 200 prophecies, some would say over 300 prophecies, which forecast the coming of the Messiah in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament. Written hundreds of years before, in different places, by different people, with different emphases, these prophecies created an expectation that the Messiah was coming. In the first century, the Jewish people knew their Bible. They knew much teaching about when and where the Messiah would come. People were discussing it. People were praying for it. Jewish mamas would pray it was their daughter, I mean their son, they were, their, their child. Some people took it in their own hands and they got violent about it. Even the king was aware of it. In the next chapter of Matthew is the story of King Herod and his attempt to wipe out all the babies that were born in an attempt to do away with any possible Jewish Messiah. 
He didn't want anybody to take his place as king. But none of this surprised the Lord. This was part of his plan to bring hope and salvation to humanity. We're here tonight celebrating Christmas because of what this child did. He grew up and became a Jewish rabbi, teaching, preaching, healing people, doing miraculous works in people's lives, and ultimately dying on the cross, as the angel says here, to save people from their sins, and then rising from the dead on what we call Easter. We would not be remembering his birth if he had not died and risen from the dead. We would not be recounting his birth and celebrating the fact that he was born. We would not know about Mary and Joseph, just two normal Jewish peasants in Rome's Palestine. If Jesus did not rise from the dead and point back to his death on the cross, we wouldn't be here tonight. I mean, after all, what is so different about this birth than so many others that occurred in Bethlehem that year? Jesus did die on the cross for our sins. He did rise from the dead. And because of this, individuals can be saved. Cultures can be saved. Nations can be saved. They can be delivered and we can be delivered from the power of sin and the destruction of evil and an eternity of endless death without God. This has been demonstrated again and again through millions of lives across the centuries of those who put their faith in Jesus. No, this didn't take God by surprise. It was His plan to deliver human beings from the power and darkness of human sin. Your sin, my sin, our sin. His death on the cross provides an atoning sacrifice for the sins of anyone who will put their faith in Him. It's a gift of grace which God has done for us in Jesus Christ. It's God's gift. It's a gift of love to the human race, to you and to me, to to all those of us who He desires a relationship with. Have you ever thought about why we give gifts at Christmas? Why do we? Some would say it's because of the wise men who brought Jesus' gifts at his birth, which we now remember on what the day we call Epiphany. Some would say it's because of the ministry of St. Nicholas, the original Santa, who gave gifts to needy people, needy children. But the main reason we give gifts at Christmas is because God gave us His gifts, the gift of His Son, by having Him born into the human race and dying on our behalf. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The package may not be too impressive. A baby in a manger, a dirty baby, in a feeding trough, in swaddling cloths, born in a stable. The package may not be too impressive, but the gift is. The gift is God Himself entering the human race, what we call the incarnation. God Himself entering into our mess in order to save us from our mess. Forgiveness of our sins, relationship with the Father, the infilling of the Holy Spirit in one's life, and eternal life when we leave these mortal bodies. Quite a gift. Incredible gift. 
But as with all gifts, it must be received to make it ours. Someone can give you a gift, but if you don't receive it, it's not yours. My son asked me recently what I wanted for Christmas. And I humorously said, I'd like a kiteboarding package. If you don't know what that is, it includes a, a kite board, which is like a wakeboard kind of thing. It includes the kite that you fly it with and the rigging to hook it all up. Now let's say he puts the board and the kite and the harness all in a nice package and wraps it up and puts it under the tree, puts my name on it, and it's there just for me. He's purchased the gift, he's packaged it, he's put my name on it, and it's under the Christmas tree just waiting for me. But it doesn't become mine until I what? I receive the gift. I open it up and make it mine. And this is what God has done for you and me in Jesus Christ. By sending him to planet earth, by him dying on the cross for our sins and his resurrection from the dead, he has given us this incredible gift of forgiveness, of hope, and displaying his love and his healing. But it needs to be received. As the Apostle John said it in John chapter 1, verse 12, to as many who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. To as many who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. What better time than to make things right and new with God than at Christmas? Talk to him. Tell him you want to receive his gift this Christmas. Tell him you want his forgiveness. Tell him you want him to be in charge, to live life the way it ought to be lived. I like the way Max Lucado says this. God is able to accomplish, provide, help, save, keep, subdue. He is able to do what you can't. He already has a plan. God's not bewildered. Go to Him. Go to Him. This is the real news of, Christian, of Christmas. It's the real news. It's not fake news. It's not deceptive news. It's not internet news. It's called the good news, the gospel and this is what Christmas is all about. Nothing is going to change the terrible events in our world until human hearts are changed. And human hearts are not going to be changed until they're transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. When he enters in and begins to reform and renew us into the image of Jesus himself. And it starts with you. It starts with me. And it can begin tonight. The angel said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.